Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and I am joined on the Hitting Play hotline by a very special guest. You may know him from the Holding Court podcast, you may know him from his appearances on The Best Show, and The Chris Gethard Show. Greg Gethard, a.k.a. The Gregulator, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Scott. I appreciate you uh, extending the invite. It's very exciting to have you. Thank you for coming. Uh, this week is a very special episode. Uh, among the list of Greg's credits is something very noteworthy. Uh, Greg, you lived my childhood dream of being on the game show. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I, I did. Um, I was on it in uh, 1990 or 91. Uh, I, we filmed it when I was in eighth grade, and it aired my like first month freshman year of high school. So... It was all the way back then, yeah. It was, it was a dream. It, the episode I taped was the fourth or fifth one that ever aired. Greg Gethard! Yes. Today's episode, The Lincoln Conspiracy! It was first season, so we had no idea it was going to be, like, kind of blow up and become, like, a big thing at all. Yeah. Um, it was a computer, there was a computer game. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And I knew I knew that game because I was a dork. <laughs> we didn't even know if it was going to be on the air or not, you know. As let alone become something that kind of became, you know, a pretty big, well-known, you know, well-known show for people of a certain age. Yeah, yeah. Well, just some background on the show. Like you mentioned, it was originally a PC game, and from yep. what I read, supposedly there was a uh, National Geographic survey that suggested that Americans were deficient in geographic knowledge. And so they felt there was a, a need to kind of promote uh, some sort of game show that uh, helped kids gain some more, you know, ge geographical knowledge, I guess. And this is where the genesis of this show came from. And, wow. Uh, I, never, I never heard that part. That's really interesting because also at the time, every day, PBS also had um, a show, Square One, which was uh, a math education show. Like it, was math, it was entertainment based around math. Oh, yeah. I remember that so, show. Yeah. Yeah, so that may kind of goes well with like PBS's like uh, whole uh, you know raisin ditra or however you pronounce that phrase. So <laughs> you know, like that kind of goes along with uh, with that. So that's really interesting. I never heard that part of it. Yeah, supposedly the as I've read in a, a couple of different sources that uh, they felt that uh, was it one in four kids couldn't point out the Soviet Union or the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, that makes sense. In my middle school, I would probably say that number was more like one, one in one point five. <laughs> oh, so, so um, one in four might be even like the lowball number of of that from, <laughs> from my experience. Now, for those that haven't seen the show, the premise is that there's the special agent, or I think he later became the senior agent. Uh, this was host Greg Lee. And he's training three young gumshoes, of which Greg was one, uh, for a mission to thwart the plans of the international criminal known as Carmen Sandiego. And this was also done with assistance from the chief, played by the late Lynn Thigpen. Probably the most recognizable and enduring part of the show is that theme song, and that's sung by the five-man in-house acapella group known as Rockapella. It's yes. just uh, quite, a, quite a show. It was looking looking back at that at that show. I think it's like a really really super well produced show. 
like it has like, a through line mm-hmm. from the start to the finish, and you know it has parts where um, the whole, whole first round of it, it's you know very very it lets you play along at home, which I really like a lot. Yeah, and um, and then you know and then the part with the map, it's really really kind, of, it's really like built-in excitement to really to really see see that. I think they really really nailed like a good solid outline of the show. It was really, it was super fun. It's a super fun show. Like, I've seen other episodes, like, you know, just, um, one of the things I, I do every now and then is I will go to, the, like, the YouTube clip of mine. Yeah. I put it, I put it up there, like, me, like, my friend put it up there for me, because I didn't have, I, I taped the episode when it aired, and then, you know, I moved so many times, like, in college and after college that, the tape ended up in the, you know, like, I don't know what happened to it. And I managed to track it down from this weirdo who's, like, a huge game show nut who's taped, like, hundreds of thousands of game show episodes. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and he has this whole thing of game shows. And I found, I forgot how I found him, but I found him online somehow. And I sent him an email, like, hey, like, I was on this episode, you know, like, I'd love to have a copy of it. I haven't seen it since, you know, that and. Um, he, he gave it to me. I had to answer a quiz about my episode to, for him to give it to me. Like, he, like, I was like, I'll just pay you like 15 bucks or whatever. And he's like, no, but I only gave it for free, but you have to prove it's you. It's really <laughs> weird. It was such a weird barter. Um, but then he gave it to me and I put it, um, I put it on YouTube. My friend Dave put it on YouTube because I'm inept at those kinds of things. Uh-huh. And, um, and then there's also a keyboard cat version that, uh, my friend Paul made which he did without me telling me. Okay. So I will frequently go um, and read the YouTube comments about me. Oh, no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> you know, it's so great. It's so entertaining. And every now and then I will post in the YouTube comments responses to me, like threatening to sue people. Oh, that's awesome. And um, <laughs> jail people and things like that. And, um, you know, like I haven't done that in a few years. But, um, yeah, like I'll troll trolls with that a lot. So... Yeah, that's how, um, and then from there, I'll just go and watch other episodes, and, um, you know, like, I always walk away, like, really impressed with the show, and how well it was for, you know, how, how what a good, simple show it was. Yeah, and that's, that's surprising, uh, that yours was one of the, the first handful of shows, because it looked like a show that's been going on for a while by then. I was, I was gonna ask what season you were on, it's, uh, just right out of the gate, it was a well-produced show. Yeah, right out of the jump. Like, the whole first, like, probably, like, five, like, the whole first group of episodes, it's all people um, I went to middle school with. Like, there's a whole bunch of people I went to middle school with on, like, the first few episodes. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, and um, one, one of my fellow gumshoes was in my class. She was actually one of the, like, 12 valedictorians of my high school. Oh, wow, so, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's, like, really crazy, like, because I grew up in North Jersey, and they filmed it in New York. So, in retrospect, they really, you can tell they really wanted to get, like, a really, a lot of diversity on the show. Like, you know, like, they have, like, a lot of, you know, like, it's pretty evenly distributed with um, girls, and, you know, like, they have a lot of, um, uh, you know, they have, like, a lot of contestants, you know, like, a decent, very, especially for that time, um, contestants who are, you know, minorities. Mm -hmm. And... They did are really, really, I, you know, like, it was super, you know, like, it, they really, really, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just, like, white, nerdy guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, I was one of them, certainly. But, um, so, that's kind of how they probably ended up picking my middle school, because um, I, I, went, I grew up in a really diverse town. So, 
I think they probably, you know, they wanted someone who was within, you know, like an hour of New York and um, who could get to New York without, like, a problem. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have to put anyone up for a hotel or anything like that. But also, they could get people from, you know, like a diverse pool. There's cities where, you know, it's not as diverse. There's definitely regions out there not as diverse, you no. know, as the New York area. So they really, I really think they really probably looked like they emphasized it. And that's, you know, that's really awesome on them. Bully for them. Yeah, yeah. Thinking of that. Yeah. So that's interesting. So proximity probably played a role probably for budgetary reasons, too. So, like, what yeah. I, I was going to ask, like, how did this all come about? How did you actually get to be on the show? Did you take that National Geographic survey that middle schools nope. did? or No, no, I didn't, right? So how we, how we tested it is one day in eighth grade social studies class, and my, like, my middle school was awful. Like, it was, like, straight up. It's, like, it's not season four of The Wire bad. <laughs> But it wasn't, like, it wasn't Bayside High. Right, right. <laughs> like, it was a little bit closer to season four of The Wire than it was Saved by the Bell uh, <laughs> in terms of what, the, what, what, what it was like. So we had, our eighth grade history class was a total, total zoo. And we had this teacher, she was, a, she, she, she was, like, 70 years old, and she had taught kindergarten in, like, the rich kid elementary school. Uh-huh. And they wanted her to quit uh, because of how, like, she was losing her mind. Oh, and they man. couldn't do that because of tenure rules. Yeah, they transferred her to become an eighth grade history teacher at my school, and she was fu- she quit by the end of the year because um, this kid Chris threw an egg in her face. Oh my goodness! And, and he was like an honors kid. Like he wasn't a bad kid. He was like a good kid. Yeah, kids used to like set off fireworks, like firecrackers in her class, <laughs> like throw bottle rockets at her. It was oh, insanity. This man. class was. This class was insanity, and um, so we had, like, a, a rotating cr- rotating group of subs. Like, every six weeks, every three weeks, we'd have a new teacher. So you did nothing. We did nothing in this class. And then one day we had to take a test, and it was just, like, naming the states. You know, it was, like, something like that. Like, yeah, name yeah. the states. You know, or maybe it might have it might have been at the hardest European countries. And I've always, you know, like I've always been like the smart kid. Like I was like the quiz bowl captain mm-hmm. in middle school. So um, you know, like, geography has like always been something like I really picked up on. So you know, like this test was cake for me. So um, I, I probably sound really, really arrogant saying that, but um, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's no, true. no. Like I'm, I'm really good at knowing where the states are. So um, a week or like a week or two later, you know, and they didn't tell us what this test is for. Like I just thought it was like some standardized test kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So a week later, um, there was an announcement, and it said if to go to the history room, and outside there was a sheet of paper, and if you finished in the top thirty in this test, to go to the library. So I finished in the top thirty, and it was all you know everyone you'd expect to you know in my middle school who is like good at school. We all went to the library, and then they introduced it and said, like, how many of you are familiar with the computer game? Yeah, a bunch of us were, and then they were like, yeah, we're turning it into a TV show, and we're coming here to look for students. And we just want you, you know, don't worry if you get an answer right or wrong. You know, we're just looking for people who have a lot of enthusiasm and who we, you know, who we think would be a good contestant. You know, don't worry if you're right or wrong, though. <laughs> so they went through different questions. Like, I don't remember the questions they asked, but they went through a bunch of different quizzes about state capital kind of things and mm-hmm. oceans and stuff like that, probably. And then a couple months later, I, you know, everyone completely, everyone forgot about it, you know, like a day later. A couple months later, um, a couple of us were called into the principal's office 
And we were told, like, hey, remember that? You got named for the show. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was like one of ten people. I had no idea why I was named to it. Probably just picked me out because I knew I was a total uh, weirdo and, and would be very entertaining on the show. But um, just kind of they randomly chose my high school and put and randomly chose me. Now, did they do, like, an interview process, like a screening process, too? Like, to get to know, like, everybody's personalities, or? Before the show, they did. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, not in the, maybe they did, I don't really remember the testing, like, the 30 people testing all that well. Like, I remember, I don't remember the specifics of that, but before the show, when we went into New York uh, to, to tape, it was taped in a studio in uh, Chelsea, and... They, you know, we had, like, there was a PA who, like, went around with us and talked to us and, and got to know us and things like that. So, but it wasn't, like, a pre-screen in terms of screening us out. I don't, they might have had that, but I don't remember it. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard, like, if you want to get on, like, Price is Right and shows like that, you got to really show enthusiasm. That makes good for yeah. good TV a good contestant. You know, all those shows have those kind of, like, things like that. They, they want people... They don't want people who are going to be right necessarily as much as they want people who are going to cry if they get the right answer. <laughs> right. Now, now, did you guys drive to uh, to the set? No, no. This is funny. So we actually, I actually had to go in two days because um, the first day we went in, they ran over schedule. Oh, so wow. <laughs> we, um, so I had to go back the next, like a week later or like two days later or something like that. So we did not drive in. And even though like I grew up, like, I, you could see um, the World Trade Center from my neighborhood. Oh, wow. How close to New York I grew up. But I never, we never went in to the city. Like, my parents aren't city people. You know, like, we'd go in for, like, a Mets game or a Yankees game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the only other times I'd go to New York would be on a class trip. So this is, like, like, one of my first trips to New York. And we actually, we took the PATH train. The PATH train, it's like uh, what takes you from New Jersey to Manhattan. It's one of the train systems they have. Mm -hmm. So it was my first time taking the train in. And when we were on the way over, this woman was trying to catch the train. And she threw her purse in the doors. And it didn't, the doors didn't open. And she started getting dragged by the train right in front of me. (laughs) And and, people were like screaming. It was really, and then the, and then like the train stopped and like the doors opened and she got on like nothing, like she wasn't just nearly killed. But yeah, like I almost saw someone die like on my way to tape a game show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Clear, clear as day, clear as day that memory, the look of horror in this woman's eyes. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably an overwhelming experience, but aside from all of that, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was really, it was really, I think that might have settled me down, because I wasn't, that whole day I wasn't that nervous. Like, I don't remember being too nervous or squeamish. I just remember thinking it was, like, really, really funny. Like, this whole thing was really funny. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think maybe the fact that I had to question my own mortality, briefly. <laughs> And I looked a woman in the eyes as she was about to die. Um, really made really settled me down a little bit. <laughs> All right, so so going into the city and everything, getting ready, did you cram beforehand, or were you like reading almanacs or anything? Okay. Did did, the, did you know what it was going to be like? What you were going to be tested on in the show? Yes. So here here's what happened with that. Right, right. Even though I was you know good at geography and the captain of our academic team. Um, like our academic quiz bowl team, mm-hmm. academic decathlon, whatever we called it. I was absolutely awful, awful, awful 
in terms of my grades. Like, I failed, like, math, freshman, like, eighth grade. <laughs> I did awful. Like, I had, like, I was, like, a DC level student, you know, and, like, I was still like that, like, until, like, freshman year of college, you know, like, a terrible, terrible student. Mm-hmm. So, I never really studied for anything ever. Like, I could care, like, I really hated, hated school and everything. So, we, so, we can share, we, I went in the first day, and I met the competition, and one was a girl who was in my school, middle school who, you know, like I wasn't friends with her or anything like that, but we had classes together. Mm-hmm. And the other was a kid who grew up in the rival town to my town. And I want to, I want to say it up front and close, right? I, I've done, you know, written stories about, about this before. I've done a few other interviews. I've met my competition, the kid. I talked with him on Facebook years later, right? Mm-hmm. Like five years ago. But he's the sweetest and nicest guy. Great guy. So I want to preface that because that doesn't make it into print or on the radio or podcast <laughs> all the time. So he's such a great guy with a really good sense of humor. And this is but, Ilan? This is the kid you were? Yes. One of the kids yes, you were up against? Yes, that kid. And, but when I met him, I hated his guts. <laughs> I could not stand this kid. And part of it was probably me projecting. Uh-huh. But he, grew, he was from our rival town, which is like this real rich kid, snotty town uh-huh. next to mine. And he went to um, like the private, like a private Jewish school, uh-huh. which is like a fortune, and you know, like that they don't like. It, he's just like everything, like not that, I, like you know, I'm not anti-Semitic. My no, wife, no, no. But yeah, but like I hated, like I was like, I hate this kid so much. <laughs> he's the worst. He's everything. Like he's like he came off like he's just memory. He's such a spoiled brat. I was probably projecting though, you know. Yeah. At the time. So I was like, I am beating this kid no matter what I do. Like <laughs> I am beating this kid, and I studied like I had like I didn't study this hard for the SATs. Like how hard I studied. <laughs> like I was in. I had all these math almanacs and globes and and encyclopedias. Like I would, and I always like read like those kind of things. But for like just you know like instead of doing homework, I would read those things. Mm-hmm. You know. But I like sat down. I studied. I quizzed myself. And I went nuts with how much I wanted to beat this kid. <laughs> and the other contestant was a, a girl named Prima? Yeah. And she was the one that you said was in middle school with you? She was in middle school with me and high school with me. And she was one of the valedictorians of our high school. I have no idea what... The only time I ever talked to her was on the show. So yeah. She seemed like a perfectly nice, reasonable human being. But I really knew nothing about her except she was really really uh, smart and good at school and cared mm-hmm. about school. So, um, and she went to, like, some Ivy League school, and, you know, like, I don't know what happened to her or anything like that. Yeah, but no motivation to, to beat her. She was she was from the good side of the tracks. Yeah, I didn't care. Like, I didn't <laughs> care when... I, she didn't factor into my uh, dark, my dark side at all. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> now, when, uh, when the show starts... They have the three of you kind of like in poses, kind of frozen until they yes. announce yeah. you? Yes, they do. So w- what went into that? Do they tell you what you need to do or do you remember any of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, like the whole morning of the show, like I, I, we had to get there, be there like nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a good like two to three hours before they actually started taping the episode because they probably have to get, you know, now that I know like a little bit about TV production, you know, it's like there's so much you have to deal with and lighting and, you know, things things like that. And so we just had, like, a production assistant with us the whole time. And he's, like, some young guy. Um, he's probably like 25. 
Mm-hmm. Something like that. And he talked us, you know, through the whole day. And he wanted, we, we actually rehearsed our poses that we did oh. and wanted to do. <laughs> so we all had like these, we had like kind of different variations and things like that. And I was like being me, like I came up with, I did mine, which I believe is the Arsenio dog whoop is what I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone else just kind of like waved and, you know, kind of pointed the camera or something like that. Yep. And I was like doing this like dumb, <laughs> dumb dog whoop. <laughs> but, well, throughout the whole show, I mean, you're the one that brings the enthusiasm for sure. I think if you actually, in all honesty, I'm going to sound terrible saying this, but if you watch any episode of that show, I think I might be the only kid who ever shows enthusiasm. <laughs> There's a lot of snoozes on that show. It's so true. A lot of kids, perfectly nice kids, who are probably doing way better than me professionally right now, <laughs> went to way better colleges than me, uh, probably could buy and sell me 100,000 times over, but they were snoozes on that show. <laughs> and and part of it's going to be like, you know, these are children and in, in, uh, probably their first time on a, on, a, on a set with lights and cameras and a studio audience. I mean, I'd probably be, a, you know, deer in headlights too. I'm not yeah, I'm not faulting the kids, you know, like, you're, you know, and you're getting, you're getting smart kids, you're getting, like, nerds, Yeah. you know, like, you know, like, I mean, I'm a, you know, I was a nerd, and, you know, like, I know not everyone's kind of, you know, as ridiculous as I am, and I've always had this, you know, kind of, uh, hyperactivity to me, <laughs> so I, I, I get that, but, man, there are some kids on there, like, I'm just like, wow, like, yet another kid wants to be a doctor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like, all right, well, oh, oh you're from, uh, you play soccer, and you, and you want to be a doctor. That's over, overwhelming. <laughs> now, Greg, you have some interesting career plans. Tell us about your career plans. Yeah, I'd like to be either a stand-up comedian or a baseball manager. Stand-up comedian or a baseball manager. Oh, wait, come, come on up here. Yeah, they just don't want you to talk into the microphone quite that closely. It's, it's on, it's working fine. You're okay. Yeah, so like when when the show starts, the the host Greg Lee, uh, you know, talks to all three of you guys, kind of like what Trebek does for Jeopardy. Uh, so Prima tells him that you know she does uh, Indian dancing lessons. She wants to be a neurosurgeon. Ilan yeah. uh, wants to be a lawyer, and uh, you told Greg that you wanted to be a stand-up comedian or a baseball manager. Yes, I did. Infamously, I did that, and we'll go to the grave with me. <laughs> um, so. They, that came in with the pre-production part of it with the PA. Like, they told us about that, and they wanted to get to know us better, and they're going to ask us that. And yeah. that's what I said. I don't know why. I, I said baseball manager because I love baseball, still do to this day, And uh, but I was terrible at it. So, you know, like, you can't say uh, – I was realistic. I can't say baseball player. I, I can't – you know, I'm not even – like, I'm a scrub, you know? Um <laughs> I'm not going to play baseball past eighth grade little league. Like, I know that. You know, barely playing that. I'm horrible. I'm the worst player in the league. Uh, but, you know, I know, I know how to, I know how to uh, manage a pitching staff. I know the lefty-righty matchups already. You know, like, right, right. I can, so I can do that. And then with stand-up comedy, um, we just started getting Comedy Central around then. Mm-hmm. And then MTV used to have a stand-up show. Like, there was, like, nonstop stand-up on TV yeah. back then. And I've also always had, like, uh, insomnia problems. And, um, you know, I'm a night owl. So I would always, I would, would stay up, like, a couple times a week, like, as early as, like, fourth grade and watch, you know, Carson and Letterman. Mm-hmm. Like, 12, you know, and, like, you know, I just don't go to sleep until 2 a.m. my whole life. So 
I watch like Carson and Letterman, you know, and there's always stand up, you know, like there's, you know, that's who they have is comics. And I watch Saturday Night Live, like every episode since like, you know, from sixth grade till through high school, you know, kind of thing. Yep. So I was exposed to comedy and I, you know, I was kind of becoming a uh, class clown type. So I said, stand up comedian. <laughs> and that's something you've, you've done, right? I have done plenty of stand-up comedy uh, in Philadelphia. However, I have probably made more money as a baseball manager than I have as a stand-up comic. <laughs> I arguably have more success as a baseball manager than I do as a stand-up comic, and I've never managed baseball. <laughs> now, did you mention on the best show recently something about being banned from a club? Yeah, banned, I'm banned from the only comedy club in Philadelphia that pays you to perform. Could you tell that story? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll give you a brief, the abbreviated version. Is I used to like my old stand-up bit. Um, I haven't done it in years, but I used to do this thing where um, LeBron James before games he throws out he throws baby powder in the air. Yep. Um, it was like elaborate ritual, and I thought that'd be really funny to do in comedy clubs. So I would do that and then scream um, with it. Um, we were all witnesses, which was his like sneaker catchphrase. Yep. <laughs> so I'd scream that and throw baby powder. I did this like open mics, like in front of like four people at open mics at like dumpy bars in Philly. Yep. You know? And then um they have this contest at this big club in town here every year, um, called Philly's Funniest. And it's the worst. Like I hate it. And every comic here says like, Oh, I don't care about it. all everyone cares about it. Everyone who says they don't is a liar. Um, except for me. I am not a liar about that. Um, because it's like you pay to perform and that alone to me is like, no, like I don't pay to perform. I want to be paid to perform. Right. Right. And then, so then what it is, it's you pay 20 bucks. Anyone can join it. So you just get like all these like guys like, Oh, Hey, Carl from Carl from work is doing stand up. Like, let's all go see him. Yeah. So it's like a lot of people who, it's like they've done like five open mics will go on this thing and then they'll pack the crowd with like every single person they've ever met in their life. <laughs> and the audience votes like as to who is the best. So it's just like all people voting for their friends. Right. Yeah. And so you're kind of in a way handicapped if you're an actual regular comic because everyone's already seen you perform. Like all my friends already saw me perform. Like, with, like they don't care. It's like another show, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's expensive because it's at like the stand-up comedy club where there's two drinks as opposed to like a $5 like indie show at some like dive bar. So I did my bit there. Um, and it, I didn't even get to tell the part on the best show. I also had two of my friends up with me on stage and I built a slingshot <laughs> beforehand um, with a with a funnel, like the funnel I got from the hardware store and some bungee cords. And I had my friends up there like saying with me my, my catchphrase. I had a catch, like this hook catchphrase I was throwing, like, slam dancing, it makes no sense, it has nothing to do with anything, I just thought it'd be funny to be like an old, like, 80s Gallagher, like, amazing Jonathan type of horrible comic with catchphrases, like, Dane Cook kind of thing. Oh, man. So, they were doing the catchphrase with me, and then at the end, I had my friend, my friend uh, Bryce made all these t-shirts that said Regulation Nation on them, (laughs) and like an American flag theme, so... I began by throwing the baby powder and got in the vent in the air system and, like, gotten all these drinks. Like, they had to refund all these drinks. And they ended up also firing T-shirts into the crowd with a slingshot I built. 
and it was like knocked someone's drink over. Like it was, it was. I fired like three or four T-shirts into the crowd, and it was nuts. And by the way, it was all in three minutes. Oh, you only have three minutes. Oh my goodness! All this, <laughs> I did all of this in three minutes, and I was the the guy who was hosting it. My friend Kent, he won the year before. He's not doing comedy anymore, but he was actually like uh, he had like a ten minute set on Comedy Central at one point. And he's a really good friend of mine. And he was like, afterward, like, you know, in the green room afterwards, he's like, I can't talk to you right now. Like, I can't, I'm not allowed to talk to you. They hate you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) So I knew I wasn't going on. I knew I wasn't advancing to the semifinal round. (laughs) So, but I definitely think, like, afterwards, my brother actually um, was at that show, too. Like, he, he, you know, he came down for it. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, like, we were talking afterwards about it. And I was, and he's like, you know, he was talking with my other, you know, a couple of us were talking. It's like, yeah, like I didn't go on, but like I, like I was the one people will talk about from that night. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I did that, and then I, and I'm also banned from this horrible open mic in New York, in uh, East Village called Eastville, because I did the baby powder thing there too, and that place was awful. Like I hate, like everyone there was horrible, and. um <laughs> They told me not to do the baby powder bit again, and I responded by going, like, I don't see a posted no baby powder throwing the pool anywhere. <laughs> so they didn't like that. I was told not to come back. I was totally fine not going back to that waste of time. Oh, man. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, I did. That's my baby powder throwing story. That's <laughs> what I did. Ruined, and uh, it's probably not the best idea to get banned from the one comedy club in town that will pay you to perform, but... Let's face it, I wasn't going to perform there ever anyways, and uh, I'm fine with that. It's funnier this way. It's a lot funnier this way, and a lot more memorable, so yes. that story, yeah. <laughs> That's great. And so you pretty much lived what you told the host, Greg Lee, you would become. And in fact, years later, I did a, stand- I did a comedy show where I showed the episode that we are talking about right now and did live play-by-play of it, like a live track over it. Oh, really? Over what happened, yeah. And I managed to get um, the lead singer of Rockapella performed. Oh, no way, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the blind guy with dreadlocks, Sean, Sean Altman. So, um, yeah, I did like a whole big show with Carmen Sandiego, and all these people like where Carmen Sandiego fans came. It was like really, really, there's this person who dresses up like Carmen Sandiego and goes to like, Comic-Con. <laughs> and that person was going to come, but they had a bar mitzvah to go to. They had a paying gig. Really? So, yeah, they get paid to go like bar mitzvahs and things like that. So this person, uh, who's a Carmen San Diego impersonator, chose to go to a bar mitzvah for like fifty bucks or whatever, as opposed to a comedy show about Carmen San Diego. Oh man! So, yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty great that you actually got. Uh, I forget what was his name, the the, the lead singer of Rockapella. I can't remember. Um, Sean something. I forget his last name. I think Altman. And then he did a couple solo songs. Like he's got some album out, and there were really like a bunch of Rockapella fans there. Like people really into Rockapella. Oh really? So, yeah, yeah. That was like my favorite. Maybe like everyone in like uh, I know in like my friends and people like other comics in Philly. Like that's probably the high water mark. Like, like I'm, I'm not going to be able to top that show. Like, that show was just so much fun, and there was um, a lot more. We had a lot more acts and other things with it, too, but I, it was great. It, and I did it at um, Connie's Vic Rack, which 
the venue I talked about on the best show one time, and that place is my favorite place to do shows at in Philly. Like, it's just so much fun, and the people who run it are the best people. And um, I, like, hacked that place that night, and they were so generous with, like, everything they did for the show. It was just, like, everything I love about I really don't like performing comedy all that much, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, like, I like the writing part. I hate the performing part. But that was, like, the best. Like, everything came together for that. It was awesome. It was so much fun. That's great. Yeah. No, no. can we mention who your brother is? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Gathard. <laughs> your Everyone brother. knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> And uh, and you were. It's funny to hear you say you don't care for the performing that much because you were recently uh, on the the Chris Gethard show uh, since you know his move to yeah. Fusion, uh, kind of taking over the show. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I don't like performing, but when I do, I'll go all in. And you know, it's like I'm playing a character. That's how I do. That's how I get through it. Yeah. Yeah. M- most of my like all my stand up was comedy stuff, and then I kind of carved out a niche where I play different weird characters. When I, like, I don't perform anymore because I'm back in school, but I kind of, you know, like one character I did uh, for a while was Jacob Strange, who was a struggling street magician, extreme street magician, um, obsessed with KMFDM. So <laughs> it's like when I'm doing characters, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done comedy as me, like as Greg Gethard, like telling stories and stuff like that. And I'm really, I'm not good at it. Like, I'm just not, not that good at it, but... If I'm doing a character, I'm more, like, and it's not even, like, I'm not even, like, this, like, Andy Kaufman type of guy, like, who gets locked in the parts. Like, I'm not. Like, I'm, I know, I'm, but it's just so, it's easier for me to filter it through a voice I'm creating rather than my own voice. Yeah. So, when I did my brother's show, like, I just got into this whole bit. Like, I just did a character, you know, that just happened to share my name. That was great. And your brother's face in the back, like he had to sit in the back while you were yeah. taking over the show and just, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, he didn't know anything I was doing. He didn't, he didn't know, like he legitimately did not know what I was going to do, what I was going to say, what I was going to ask A.D. Bryant. I did not meet A.D. Bryant until I was on the air with her. <laughs> um, and, um, the only people who knew were Chris's like production team. And, um, and Fred, Fred from Honolulu, mm-hmm. um, who he works on the show. So he was like hanging out with me all day. So it was, yeah. So I just got into character and I do like this whenever I perform, if I can, I have like this whole like meditation routine I do. Like I'm not like into like new age stuff, but I do kind of like this like breathing mm-hmm. thing I learned about. And then, um, I do like calisthenics to kind of, and I'm just like going over like my lines and stuff like that and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just like know to settle my brain down and then get the heart rate back up as I'm getting into a character. Yeah. Kind of this weird routine I developed that uh, works for me a lot. So yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a great, a great time. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so happy for my brother. But even more exciting was the first episode. I went to the taping of it. I had nothing to do with it. I just wanted to go to the taping and it was just like, I'm like, man, they gave my brother like a freaking TV studio and all the people he does his show with, like I'm friends with them, you know, like I know I've known them all for a really long time mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, like they, like they gave these kids, like every, the thing about the show, it's like, it's not just my brother and the cast who moved from cable access, but the crew did too. Like most of the crew. Nice. Um, like, 
Yeah, so it's like people who put in the time, like learning how to edit and do camera work and stuff like that, like they got to go to Fusion 2, which was awesome. And really happy for all of them because it's like a super team effort. But also at the first show, the guests were um, Abby and Alana, and Broad City is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I, got to, I got to meet them and talk with them for a little bit. Nice. Um, which was, yeah, which was the best because they are number one and the best. And also, when I was on the, I was on the cable access version of the show once with Tom. Yeah, that was that was like the sibling rivalry episode or something, right? And Alana, Alana Glazer was one of the guests on that episode, too. That was awesome. Yeah, with yeah. her brother, Elliot, who is occasionally on Broad City as well. Yeah, so... Awesome. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for that show. It's the, it's so great. It's so enter, it's so great for all these people to be able to like get some work for it to get a job from it. You know, so I know because I know how hard it's like how difficult it was. So yeah, I'm so happy for those guys. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, and if it's not on your local cable provider, there is the Fusion app, and I think it's on Apple TV now and Roku. So there, there's a whole bunch of other ways to see it if. If it's not, as it is for me, not on uh, your local cable lineup. But uh, yeah, some great episodes in there. I think, was it two seasons worth on Fusion now? Or is it just the one? No, just one. And they're filming the second kind of soon. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know their schedule. I don't know when they're yeah. doing all of that. But I know, they had, I know that they have a second season coming up. A bunch of the cable access ones are still on iTunes, too. Yeah, they're all on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube, all yeah. The old, yeah, they're all on YouTube and, and iTunes. But I don't, um, I only watch them on YouTube, so... I don't, I don't know how to use iTunes all that well, to be honest. <laughs> so you want to be a stand-up comedian. Tell me, uh, what kind of jokes do you do? Well, um, I make funny phone calls to 1-800-NUMBERS. Um, yeah. um, I, make, <laughs> I make fake surveys and go to random people who I don't know. And um, I tell knock-knock jokes. You tell knock-knock jokes. You can tell he's a comedian by the way he's working that microphone, you guys. Yeah, you can just stand right up there, Greg. It's cool. Just stand right there. That's cool the way it is. So just go, going back to the uh, the, the yeah. episode yeah. here. So when when the host, Greg Lee, asked you for kind of an example of, of what your jokes are or what Comedy. you do. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you make phony phone calls to 1-800 numbers and make fake surveys and go to random people you don't yeah. know. So what's, what, what did you do? <laughs> what happened here? Well, like, the 1-800 calls was to, like, the Nintendo hotline. <laughs> it was, like, on the back of Nintendo boxes. Yep. You called with, like, complaints about your system. You know, this is just me and my friends being, like, dumb, like, saying really dumb things. Um, and, like, the Burger King hotline was, like, one of them, too. <laughs> you know, just, like, really, really dumb, stupid things. Like, I don't even remember what we would do. And then, um, but with the surveys... I like I vaguely remember doing that. Like I don't even really remember doing that, but um we used to like me and a couple kids from my neighborhood, um, me and my brother and a few of our friends from the neighborhood, we would come up with like these cockamamie like surveys like who's your favorite baseball team? And then and you know, like we'd just go to someone's house and everyone knew who we were, you know, from our neighborhood. <laughs> so, you know, we go to someone's house and we're like, Yeah, we're taking a survey for the school newspaper, like who's your favorite baseball team? Yeah, and they'd say like Yankees or whatever, and then it'd be like, and it's like, and then when you fart, you poop your pants, like <laughs> that, that kind of stuff, like just to see what we could say without it with keeping a straight face. So, oh my goodness, but, yeah, yeah, it was just like things like things like that, um, and people just like slam the door <laughs> in our faces and things like that. But it wasn't like I was going to the mall like haranguing people. It was just like kind of dumb things like that. I probably did it like that weekend. <laughs> and that's why it was in my brain. <laughs> so then uh, 
but you do tell a knock-knock joke? Yes, I do, and I did not write it. I did not write this knock-knock joke. The guy who was the PA wrote it, and because when they were saying, when I said, like, stand-up comedian is something I wanted to do for my job, yeah, they were really happy about that. And then they asked me if I had jokes, but I'm like, I'm 12. Like, what, you think I'm carving out like a solid 15? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to the um, uh, cabaret, you know, like I'm 12. So I don't have a joke. And the guy, the PA who went, who told us this, walked us through this day, he, I remember him flat out saying he did improv. In eight, and I didn't know what that was at the time, and he explained it to me. I'm like, in eighth grade, I'm like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds so great. I would love to do it. Mind you, I was in eighth grade. That's why I, that's the exact age when you should like improv. Anything above that, you should not like or do improv above eighth grade. <laughs> Anyways, aside from that, I hate improv so much. After that, though, he, so he wrote this joke for me and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I'm like, yeah, like, when I don't have, like, what do I have, creative control? Like, I'm, like, in any position whatsoever, <laughs> they know to something, so a joke someone wrote for me. Like, 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 I don't have, like, it's not, like, I'm not, a, what, do I get a producing uh, credit now? Right. So, I like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, that's a great joke. That's a great joke. And, like, I still, like, I even remember, like, when, when doing it, I'm like, that's not funny. Like, this is terrible. But I gotta go through with it. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I can't back out of it now. We're about to tape a television episode. So I did this joke that this in, this improv aficionado wrote for me. You tell knock-knock jokes. Yes. Would you guys like to hear a knock-knock joke by any chance? Okay, Gregory. Lay one on us. Let's hear it. Knock-knock. <laughs> Humpty. They call me Humpty. With the Nazi. I really am kind of funky. Greg, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Come on. Tough, tough crowd, tough crowd. Okay, Alon, uh, let's find out from you. You spent, you spent some time in Jerusalem, right? Was that Shock G from Digital Underground or something? Or Yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, the song of the moment on Z100, the horrible top 40 station in New York. So that was like a big song. They'd play it like eighth grade dance, you know, like, you know, Digital Underground. That was like kind of, uh, kind of it, so... Yeah, so that's the joke, is I was a nerdy white kid who did um, Digital Underground. <laughs> and was also great is uh, the audience uh, was primarily of kids from, like, PS 2,400,000, whatever, from New York somewhere. <laughs> so these kids, uh, who are all African-American primarily in the crowd, saw me and booed. Oh, really? The version, oh, oh, I got booed out the building. Oh, wow. See, because, now, I watched the, the YouTube video that you mentioned. So, was was it edited in the episode? Because it sounds like they're just kind of clapping. They cut to the crowd. Oh, yeah, they made them clap. But they edited out the booing. The booing is covered with a well-timed laugh track. Okay. Laugh noise track. They are straight up, they booed me. Like, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, I'm exaggerating how much they booed me, but I got booed. Like, there were booze. Audible booze. That joke. Well, because then... It... Like me misappropriating rap music. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the Humpty Dance on PBS, I mean... 
<laughs> it stood out. It stood out. They did not like it, though. Oh, that joke did not go over well. That's funny, because I was going to ask you about that. It seems like they're laughing or, or cheering, and then you cut to Greg Lee saying, oh, tough crowd, tough crowd. So I was wondering what <laughs> what actually happened there in that edit. Yeah, no, no, no. They were a tough crowd. They were a tough crowd and did not like me. That's hilarious. And, and probably even more hilarious was uh, Greg Lee after that. He's still kind of like chuckling trying to keep it together. And then he moves on to Elan to ask him his story. And Elan was talking about how he lived in Jerusalem and how it's much safer here. And, and you, Greg Lee's ah. trying to like <laughs> stop his laughing when Elan's uh, trying to be serious. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was quite the yeah. transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the smoothest of transitions. Oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. Now, one thing that's uh, very... Uh, how am I trying to say this? Well, one thing here is about me leaning into the microphone consistently. Were you about to ask about that part? I was, yeah. One thing you do throughout this segment is <laughs> get really close and uh, keep. They keep reminding you, uh, lean back. So, what, what was going on there? Right. So, like I said, I was on my quiz ball team, uh-huh. and we would have. You had to lean into the microphone in quiz ball. <laughs> you couldn't sit back. You had to lean into the microphone. Uh-huh. And we we had quiz ball practice like two or three times a week. So, and we were just doing that, like, hundreds of times a day, be doing quiz bowl stuff, hitting a fake buzzer and leaning into the microphone. <laughs> so, it's just, like, muscle memory. Right, right. <laughs> it was just, like, just muscle memory. I couldn't break it. You know, like, it's a microphone, I'm leaning into it. And, um, literally, that's, that's why it was, you know. I brought the Edison Knights to second place in Essex County Academic Decathlon. My man Nick Butch handled the math. I handled general knowledge. And then we had a rotating group of people to do the dirty work in the third place and uh we lost to our crosstown rivals from roosevelt uh roosevelt rough riders and i still hate their captain to this day this kid jared kind of a tool um <laughs> but yeah that's that's how i that's why i kept on leaning in the microphone is just pure muscle memory like a baseball player like uh you know you don't change your swing you know like right. i golf now like i'm a golfer now once you get your swing down, you you stick with your swing. <laughs> yeah, and, and Greg Lee kept talking about like, oh, mentioning about you know your stand up comedian aspirations and uh, mentioning your mic. Yeah, work. working the mic. You're working the mic. Yeah, just stand there, Greg. Just stand there. Just keep working the mic. You know, like I probably blew out their level. I want to know what it sounded like in headphones. <laughs> oh man. Now, now, did you get to uh, meet Greg Lee beforehand, or did or afterwards? Did you get to talk to him? So I don't remember doing that because um, he later went on to like host like this ESPN show, like this ESPN show that would like in, like show extreme sports, mm-hmm. and they play like music videos, and in between like skateboarding highlights or rollerblading kind of things, and the videos they played were kind of all right for when you were in high school. Like they played like the Boss Tones and like social suicidal tendencies kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would see him from there. But the person we all knew was Lynn Thigpen. Yes. We knew her from uh, the movie Lean On Me. Yep. With Joe Clark, because she plays, I believe, plays like the villainous housing project leader, I believe, or school board member or something like that. (laughs) And so she was on that. And then she's also in a few other things, right, um, that you would just see. Later on, I would go on to know her as being the lips from the Warriors. Yes. I'm, you know, super obsessed with that movie for a really long time in my life. And, but in eighth grade, I had not seen the Warriors because if I had seen the Warriors and knew she, you know, like, wait, like I would have bugged out, but yeah, yeah. we all knew 
people knew her and were like asking her for autographs and stuff like that. Um, but I assume I talked to Greg Lee. I don't remember it. I don't remember him though. Um, my dad hated him. My dad thought he was like a total tool bag. <laughs> thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, I remember Lynn Thigpen being like super nice. Like she could not have been nicer to everyone. Well, that's nice. Yeah, she um she was a legit actress. Like she was uh you know for, yeah. in plays and movies like you mentioned. Uh, I was just yeah. kind of like looking up some of her stuff. She actually did win a Tony Award in 1997 for her role in did American you really? Daughter. Yeah. Awesome. But and, and you mentioned the Warriors. The Tony Award winner. Yeah, she was. She was actually nominated in the eighties and finally won in nineteen ninety seven. So she she did win the oh. Tony. What was she in? It was called An American Daughter. I've no I mean I don't know why I asked. It's not like I've ever seen a Broadway play or anything <laughs> like that. Same here. I don't know what it is, but uh good for her. Yeah. Yeah. But her last credit on IMDB is reprising her role in a voice cameo as DJ in the Warriors Xbox game. Wow. But that came out 2 Man. years that came out 2 years after she passed away, so I think it was kind of like they just reused movie sound yeah. for, for the game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The Warriors ended up being her last credit as well. Oh my god, that's great. That's <laughs> really great. The other thing, I was looking up Greg Lee to see what stuff he did. Uh, according to IMDb, he's also known for 1992's NBA All-Star Stay in School Jam, which, uh, no Greg idea. Greg Lee was? So what, he probably, I probably watched that too. too but what, is he like a hype man? Like, Michael Rappaport, everyone! <laughs> I'm gonna guess, like whatever horrible celebrity, Mario Lopez, from three, like a rock and jock kind of thing. Right, right. And then they'd have like, um... Um, here's Reggie Miller, you know, kind of, um, I'm trying to think of other players who would always be at that kind of thing, like Shaq. Oh, yeah. Shaq would probably be at it. Uh, he'd be the big get, and they'd be like, uh, Jamal Nashburn, maybe. <laughs> it, it, this surprised me. I don't know if you ever watched Doug growing up, the cartoon Doug. I watched it a little bit. I watched it a little bit. He was the mayor on Doug, Mayor Bob White. Was he really? He was the guy that, like, vote for me, everybody, vote for me. Wow. That was him. On a show with some illustrious names. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> so now, m moving on in the show, we, we don't get to see the whole episode, you know, in that YouTube video, but uh, there's quick yeah. cuts of you answering multiple choice questions. You, you, yeah. You're you getting the mostly correct, uh, again, leaning down into the mic, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's a full there's a full version on YouTube someone dug up. Oh, is there? Okay. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I killed it. I really crushed on the show. I did super, super well. And I was in first place going into the final question, which is the best part of the whole story. One of the best parts of the whole story. Yeah, you had, uh, I was, I always thought they were points, but right. watching the episode, they're called crime bucks. Yeah, I always forget the name of that too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, that currency, pre-Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin currency, crime <laughs> bucks, <laughs> the exchange rate was. <laughs> okay, Elon, you have 60 crime bucks. We're going to start with you before you show me your answer. How much did you risk? 40. 40 crime bucks. Give you 100 if you're right. Boston. Boston. That's the answer we're looking for. Nice job, Alon. Good job. Takes up to 100. You're in the lead. Prima, you have 75. How much did you risk? I risked 20. 20. Crime this box. will put you back in the game if you're right. What'd you say? In Newark. Oh, sorry. That's not the answer we're looking for. You're going to drop 20, but this isn't over yet. Greg, you have 95 crime bucks. First off, how much did you risk? 30. 30. If you're right, then you and Alon will go into the next round. What'd you say? Newark. Newark. Ooh, tough break. That's not the answer we're looking for. That'll take you down 30, but you still have 65. You're still in second. Nice job, guys. 
so you at the last question you guys had a wager points you were in first place and you got the question wrong but you bet conservatively enough to stay in second place and move on to the next round so w- was there any strategy here or what ha 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 here is the here is the joke this is where i got caught cheating oh <laughs> this part is where i tried to cheat quiz show scandal quiz show scandal <laughs> because i was trying to do the mental math of how what i needed to do I couldn't remember it, and I really, really, like, I seriously wanted to beat a lawn by a wide margin, <laughs> a really wide margin. So I bet more points than I probably should have. I probably should have bet, like, the minimum. Mm-hmm. But, so they have the three choices, right? Every, and every question, they give you three choices. Yeah. And the three choices in this part are Boston, Philadelphia, and Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. And they're going through all these, they're going through like how they do it. Like, Car- you know, uh, Robocrook was the villain we had to catch. And they're like, Robocrook was discovered at, you know, Daniel Hall, like kind of stuff like that. And I don't know why, but I picked Newark for some reason. I don't know why. I grew up outside of Newark. I know nothing's there. I was going to ask you about that. The symphony, the pop symphony orchestra. I don't know. I just choked. I just totally <laughs> cho- I hadn't been to Boston. I never visited Boston, so I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. But I grew up like, I literally grew up like one town away from Newark, New Jersey. You know, like I knew nothing was there. But they, they Newark had a symphony hall. So I'm, I think we probably went on a class trip to see like the Newark, New Jersey symphony or pops or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's probably in my brain. But. Olan went first, and he picked Boston, which was right. I picked Newark, which was wrong. And I'm, like, you know, like, freaking out because, like, I'm, am I going to lose this dumb thing? Like, I'm going to lose on this dumb show? Like, what? Like, just because I bet too much because I'm a, being a jerk because it's so being just a jerk right now? So they call on me. I know I have Newark in this cardboard slot, in this cardboard hand I have. They know I'm saying Newark. And I hold this up, and I say as loud as I can, Boston! Like, I, like, screamed as excited as I could. They totally tried to sell it. And they just, I remember just, like, this silence. Because I didn't know, like, I knew what I was doing. And I'm like, are they going to, like, go along? Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. There's just a pause. And you just hear, like, cut! Like, the direction, like, cut! And then, like, Greg Lee's, Greg, you picked Nork! Like, your card's is Nork! So I just start like freaking out. Like I grab the sign, I'm like pretending to panic. We got my Boston. <laughs> made myself cry. Like I made myself cry. I'm like I'm just so scared for being on TV. I just did the hunky dance. Like what are you kidding? <laughs> talking about? I'm like I'm so I'm so scared. And my parents are in the green room, and Alon's parents just start calling me a cheater in front of them. Oh, all this man. stuff like he's cheating, he's lying. And my parents are like, no, my son wouldn't do that. Or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I lied. I didn't tell my parents that until I was, in, like, senior in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad I felt about it. <laughs> so, I looked at this thing, like, you know, and they can't, you know, they, so, we had to, they had to, they asked Prima what she bet and wagered on and all that. So, I had enough points to go to the second round, and then in the edited version, I say Nork, so sad. <laughs> like, it, I'm like, Nork, like, I'm looking down. Like it is the it is such an acting job. It is hilarious. Oh man! It is I, and I don't know if either I pulled one over on them, or more likely they just didn't want to have to get rid of an episode 
because they already spent all this money and time taping this episode, <laughs> and they all knew I was cheating, and they just didn't, like, they're like, yeah, all right, he's cheating, we're going to waste, like, you know, like, union wages, like, <laughs> you know, like, we're going to go, we're going to pay union overtime Yeah, yeah. this kid if we cut, if we get rid of him, and we have to find an alternate somehow, so, yeah, that's what happened. So I, I got caught cheating on Carmen in San Diego in eighth grade. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the highlights. We can get back because that circles back later on into the denouement of the story. Okay, okay. It, uh, and good on Elon's parents for, for, for smelling a rat. Yeah, smelling a rat, yeah. They were right. <laughs> I was cheating, blatantly cheating. <laughs> so now you and Elon move on to the next round, which I think is called like the jail time challenge or something. Something not. It's just a guessing game. It's just some random guessing game. I always hated this round, you know, watching the show because yeah. I, I was always interested in geography like you, and it just I loved the trivia part because, you, like you said, you could play at home, you could watch it, and it was engaging. Yeah. But this yeah, is just memory. So dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So they they make you guys carry suitcases and pretend that you're in like a train station in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. South Station in Boston. <laughs> Tea party ship. Tea party ship. Nope, nothing there. Greg. Old North Church. Old North Church. Nope, sorry. Elon. Children's Museum. Children's Museum. Nope, nothing there. Greg. Fenway Park. Fenway Park. Nope, sorry. Elon. So they they make you play like this memory game and uh, yeah, very you were very good at it. You uh, you have to get what the loot, the warrant, and the crook all in a row. In that order, yeah. So then I got like I'm out of order, so I went back to one I'd missed already kind of thing. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. strategy you have to do. Yeah, Yeah. you can't get them in. You you have to go back to what you miss in case you... I think they went over that with it. I don't remember. I don't remember. That round's such a snooze. It was, it was. But you played it smart, Mm -hmm. and you did catch Robocrook. Part of that rotating group of criminals, uh, I think one was an alien that they had, but... (laughs) Yeah, I forget the other one. I can't remember the other one. There was an alien. Yeah, there was an alien named Nimoy from the planet Roddenberry. (laughs) (laughs) So, once you won that, you eliminated Elon. Horrible, gloating, walk-off handshake to him. <laughs> and they dropped confetti I'm, on you and everything. I'm such an awful person that day. <laughs> but you shook his hand. Oh, yeah, 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 with like a huge snark on my face. <laughs> it's like the worst I've ever been. Like, I'm like, I was like such a heel that day. It was great. It was so great. Oh, man. So... They have you write down in a portfolio, which is like hidden from the audience. It's where you would want to go on vacation in the 48 contiguous states if you won the whole game, like the final round. Yeah. So what they said beforehand is if you won, you could not, you could go anywhere you wanted, but you could not write down Florida or California. Really? Because they were afraid that's all anyone would pick would be like, you couldn't put like Disney World or Florida or Disneyland and California, like, or they didn't want anything like that because they were afraid everyone was going to just pick those all the time. So I wrote Chicago. Like, I just, I just wrote something down. I originally was going to write like Scranton, like something really just obscure and bizarre. But <laughs> um, they were like, no, 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 like just write something, some, something normal. Like they like asked me to like write something normal. So I was just like, all right, I guess Chicago. Like, what do I know? So I put Chicago. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm really glad they, they didn't show show it 
because my handwriting, like my handwriting, would have been the funniest part of the show. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that until now. That would have been even worse than the knock knock joke is my handwriting. <laughs> oh man. So that's uh, unfortunately that that kind of spoils it that you did not win the final round because we did not, not see. Win. I'm sorry to everyone listening to this thing they've already heard. Right, right. Oh, yes, <laughs> that they already know about. Yes. The probabilities of your capture of Carmen will be accelerated if I supply you with pertinent information. Look for her in Africa. Okay, Greg. Looks like you and I are going to Africa. Greg, take Greg to the map. So now they do this thing where they pretend like Greg Lee's getting a phone call and that it's for you, and they do the split screen of you uh, and Robocrook, and he's yeah. telling you that Carmen Sandiego's in Africa. Yep. And so now they bring you to this empty floor space with a giant map of Africa. And, that was uh, pretty scene the whole time. Like, that was just right next to us the whole time. Okay, yeah, I was wondering about that. You're gonna, yeah, you walked in and you knew you were going to be on Africa. Like, you knew if you got to that far, you're going to have to do Africa that day. It wasn't kept from you in any way whatsoever. Now, beforehand, did you know that there might be this kind of round where you have to see, like, you have to pick countries blindly off a map? Yeah, 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 yeah. They told us all that. They walked us through all that. That, now, uh, watching the show, being a fan of the show, that was my nightmare is, uh, of getting Africa as the continent because I just had so many problems trying to pick out those countries, you know, in the West and uh, Central I Africa. I know. Africa is so hard. It's so intimidating. And I had a strategy with that, right? My strategy was this. Those lights, like they, the, the lights that you have to put on, mm-hmm. are really heavy. You can see at one point, I fall, like, they had a box to even me out with a lawn height-wise. Because he was super tall. I was like four foot ten, probably, like 60 pounds. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I was super, super small. Like, I, when I graduated high school, I was the, the uh, shortest boy in my grade. But, like, I grew like six inches freshman year of college, like six, seven inches, which is exactly when you want to be in puberty, when you have the ability to reinvent yourself. <laughs> Girls, that's exactly when you want to have vocal changes and horrible acne at that point in your life. But I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, so. These things are kind of heavy for me. They probably weighed like 30 pounds. Oh, wow. That was like half my body weight. Come on, Greg. Do it, bud. You, you got it. Come on. Carmen with the Burkina Faso. Yes, sir. Come on. Carmen with the Central African Republic. Yeah, you got it. Carmen with the Uganda. Uganda. Come on, Greg. Come on, Greg. So my strategy was, if I didn't know, I, I kind of knew, I just assumed they were going to give you some gimme countries. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to give you probably Madagascar and South Africa. I just kind of walked in, like, kind of guessing that already. Mm-hmm. And I knew where those were. And then the other ones they asked me, they asked me one, which is Burkina Faso, which I got right. And that is hilarious and a consistent inside joke with my family because... We had in, I think, seventh grade, but it might have been eighth grade, a foreign language class mm-hmm. where you learned a couple weeks of Spanish and a couple weeks of Italian and a couple weeks of French. And you had to do paper on a Francophone country. And I, for some reason, picked Burkina Faso. And I did not do this thing until like a week after it was due. And my parents were like, wanted to kill me because you had to find books about this country. Uh-huh. And there's no books anywhere about Burkina Faso, right? So we're driving, like, all, like, like, and my parents are screaming at me because it's already due and already, like, I'm <laughs> trying to be bailed out of this class. It's like, 
not even an actual class, it's one of those weird elective, forced elective classes. Uh-huh. So I, you know, did this thing on Burkina Faso, and my parents always like, why did you pick Burkina Faso? So then when it came up in Carmen San Diego, that was one of the countries they asked. Like, they could not, they were, like, beside themselves. Like, they were like, of course, like, now it makes sense. Now, it, now it's all coming together. That's awesome. Yeah, so my strategy was I was pretty comfortable with most of the northern African countries because they're um, they're bitter. Yeah. And I knew, like, the Arabic countries. Like, I knew what they were pretty well. And if it was something I didn't know, I didn't recognize, all I was going to do was put that light on something immediately close to me and it's something immediately next to that. So I wouldn't waste time to get to something else I knew. Okay. Which, that was my strategy. And I, they asked me some quest country for some, one of like the Western African tiny countries, like Cameroon or one of them. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I didn't, I didn't know. I probably should have just ran over to West Africa and tried, tried to make a grab at it real quick or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, um, that was my strategy. So you really, you just have to get every country right. Like that's the only way to beat that in 45 seconds is just, Every country, right? You can't. You don't have room for any errors whatsoever. Yeah, seven, seven and forty-five, and you, you know, you're running across a big floor space carrying this heavy yeah. weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was tough. It was physically tough. But still, five is pretty good. And that Burkina Faso one, like you nailed it. You went right for it. You could tell <laughs> that was one you knew. Yeah, I think I got like <laughs> I got Central African Republic and Uganda right too. Yeah, I don't know how I did those. Those were just like somehow recalled from a map, like, where they were. Like, not anything. Burkina Faso was just because of this horrific childhood incident of me <laughs> being a chronic underachiever um, that drove my parents insane. But, yeah, that was kind of it. That's so. perfect. And, and the yeah. map is, like, you know, because they're, they're filming it for the TV show, so the contestants are always viewing the map upside down, which got to be... Always upside down. Yeah. yeah. And I never realized that until recently. Like, I did some Onion AD Club interviewed me about that, and they brought that up. I never thought about that, because you are looking at this map upside down. And, but I don't, I mean, it didn't mess me up at all, because, like, I got five, I got the five right I knew, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the ones I didn't know, like, the ones I missed, I just did I wouldn't have gotten right anyways. So, yeah, so, yeah, but the, the week I didn't get on that I went in, I was in the crowd for an episode. So I saw an episode tape before my episode tape. Oh, okay. We forgot about until now. So that's how I knew the whole pattern. You know, like we knew the pattern because we'd already, I'd already seen an episode. And I had thought, but I was told I was wrong because they had a warm-up comic. They had like a comic to warm up the crowd. <laughs> it always stuck in my brain that it was Mark Marin. <laughs> but someone asked, I said that in an uh, Onion AV club, and someone asked Mark Marin about it, and he said it wasn't him. Oh. So... I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was. For some reason, I thought it was Mark Marin. Could it have but, been Mark Marin, and he just does not want to admit he was on a warm-up comic? Yeah, he could. I mean, it could be that, but no comic. Every comic has garbage gigs like that. You know, like, they don't... That's like a badge of honor is those gigs. Like, no one's ashamed of those. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I know plenty I know plenty of comics who, like, that would be, like, the career highlight is uh, warming up a kid's game show. Yeah. Well, Greg, we're all proud of the good work you did throughout the day. And we here at headquarters, well, we pitched in and purchased a portable CD player we thought you would enjoy. And a selection of CDs from around the world. That's not bad, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, I wanted to talk about the prizes. Okay, so the prize I won was a portable CD player and CDs from around the world. Yes. And that was a very formative moment. We did not have a CD player in my house at that point in time. That was my first CD player. 
And they gave me a bunch of, like, world music CDs. You know, I listened to them, like, once, and I'm like, oh, go, you know, like, this is boring. <laughs> so, um, at one point, I got an album, Viva Zimbabwe was one of them, and um, I had microwaved it. I wanted to see what would happen you put a CD in a microwave. <laughs> what happens is you you almost ruin your microwave. Um, <laughs> you almost ruin your parents' microwave. That's what happens. So don't do that. Um, like, there's a lot of lightning and horrible smells. So, what happened is... My mom, to celebrate, got me two CDs from Caldor, which is like this Kmart-type department store at the time in Jersey. Uh-huh. She got from the music section, and she asked the clerk, like, something to get. So I was really, I liked the doors a lot in eighth grade, because, I, like, I saw the movie. The movie was out around then. Mm-hmm. But she got me, the, like, a, the Doors movie soundtrack, and then she asked, like, a clerk for something else. And he recommended Out of Time by R.E.M., and that's how I got into REM. And then, also, I had this uh, metalhead friend, this kid Justin, who, for some reason, he got me a CD mm-hmm. um, after I got a CD player, and it was um, the best of the Ramones. So, and I, I only, because I heard um, on um, Seton Hall's radio stations, like a metal station, they had a punk show. Mm-hmm. We used to prank that all the time. <laughs> and uh, I used to listen to Seton Hall because I was obsessed with Seton Hall's basketball team. And um, so... I used to listen to, like, the, the music shows from there, too, and I, I really liked I Want to Be Sedated a lot. Mm-hmm. So he got me a CD. So, like, my two, two like, R.E.M. and Ramones are, like, two of my, my three favorite bands of all time, probably. And, um, you know, like, that's how my first albums from them came from this ridiculous show. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's how I became a pompous indie fan. <laughs> it was a pretty decent prize, because uh, I think Prima walked away with, like, some sort of like world traveler book and a yeah. subscription to a magazine. Elon got the smallest little world band radio I think I've ever seen. I, so there, so one of the kids from my middle school who was also on was this kid. He was on another episode. This kid Bryant, and I was friend. He was a little bit younger than me. I was friendly with him later on in high school, mm-hmm. and he was always like the biggest brat. He was like a total total brat, um, and he would like he's just the kind of the worst. And um, even though we were friendly, like, he was just always so annoying. And he told me that, like, after he got that episode, he came in second place. And he was really upset about it. I was crying on the way home. He's like, I threw my world band radio out of a moving car. <laughs> no, no gratitude whatsoever. Total lack of graciousness from that kid. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened to, uh, they give you jackets and, and name cards. They, uh, you get to keep any of those things? No, no, no. Those you got to all get back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I was going to ask you is you spell your name with two G's at the end. Right. So I, all right. So I didn't, my name is actually like Gregory is with one G. Yeah. And I just started in like middle school at some point around then just started spelling with two G's at the end of it because we had a kid move into our school district in my school. Um, this kid, his name was Greg also. And his last name was with a V and I got sick of hearing Greg G and Greg V. You never hear the difference. Mm-hmm. And there was a baseball player on the Mets, Greg Jeffries, and I liked him a lot. So he spelled his name with two G's. So I just started spelling my name with two G's because of that and just kept it that way, like, ever since. Okay. Yeah. And it helped out because me and Greg Z were really good friends in high school, and we had every class, like, I think we had 90% of our classes together all throughout high school. Okay, so that worked out then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it worked out well. Just curious about that. I was wondering if that was a typo or whatever. Yeah, I hung out with him at our 20th reunion, and I told him, you made me change my name. So, because he didn't know that. He didn't know that part of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so now what happens after the show? Uh, I go home. That's kind of what happened. I don't, rem- <laughs> I, I, I don't remember, like, the wrap-up at all. Yeah. Like, I really don't. Yeah, I just went home. I, um, I didn't have to go to school that day. I just, yeah, I just went home and uh, don't remember the rest. The, the show ends with you and, and Greg Lee looking up. It's kind of like a crane shot yeah. saying, do it, Rockapella. Yeah, that you do. That you do. I remember that part. But yeah. like, um, you do that because you do that right after the, the, the end, after you're done winning. Cause yeah. I, you know, they just film right into that. And they had rehearsed that like a little bit before. Like, all right, after you do all this, no matter what happens, you're going to point up and say, do it, Rockapella. So I did that. But yeah, yeah, because I'm like sucking wind when you do it. I'm like, oh, do it, Rockapella. So, yeah, but after after we got done taping the episode, I have no recollection of what we did next. So what kind of impact did this have on your life now, after finishing oh, this? Funny you should ask. <laughs> so, alright, this came out my freshman year of high school. Like, September. Like, new, you know, first month of high school. Mm-hmm. And since it was the first episode, you know, like, they really rolled it out. You know, there was, like, a lot of press about it, um, especially where I lived, like, right outside New York, because we were all, everyone who was taped was from, you know, our part of the state, mm-hmm. our part of the country. So it was, like, really, really, like, hyped up. And obviously I was, like, my, I was attuned to the hype since I was on the show. But I remember it getting a lot of hype. So I remember it air, seeing it in the credits, like, the name of the episode, because I knew that. And I saw in the paper in journalism class, that was because where we just read the newspaper a lot, that it was going to be on that day. So my family all watched. And we, so it was on. Ha ha ha. There was, you know, a couple kids, a lot of kids at school saw it. Any kid was going to make fun of me for it was going to make fun of me anyway, so I didn't really care. Yeah, yeah. But since it's on PBS, and PBS isn't like a strict network like NBC, you know, like NBC was like The Office on at 9, you know, ER, Thursdays, 10 p.m. Since it's PBS, it's loose. It's like loosely affiliated. So they can show the time, like the show anytime they really want at whatever time they want. And also, there's that over-the-air broadcast rule where you, if your cable system has to broadcast every over-the-air channel within a certain radius. So in New Jersey, Channel 13 is like the big TV station. That's the big PBS station. Like, it's like GBH in Boston. Mm-hmm. So, but I imagine, like, up where you live, like, there's probably a Cape PBS station that's, like, really low-powered, or there's be one in, like, Providence or, like, Fall River or somewhere like that. Providence, it's, yeah. So, or like New Hampshire. Yep. So we have that. We have New York. And then there's like Long Island has a PBS station. Westchester County had one. And then we have the New Jersey network, which is actually four channels for some reason because of like however they do the UHF. And you get all of that too. So you literally on, on your cable system got like seven or eight PBS channels. Yeah. And since they could air whatever episode they want, whatever they wanted to, I was on TV Literally, like literally every day until my junior year of high school, I was on TV at some point. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not kidding. I'd be flipping through the channels. There I am. Someone would call me. You're on TV. What? And like, not everyone like even remember like knew I was on this thing. So people, like, what is this? Like you're on TV. I would get like stop. Like I'd be at like the supermarket with my mom, and like people would stop us. Like I know you from somewhere. Like it was ridiculous. Wow. How much I was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> It got, like, so annoying. Like, I'm just like, I'm on TV again. Like, do I have to watch? Like, 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 like I don't know if you have to watch that or not. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm also, like, embarrassed about it. Like, in teen, high school, like, oh, my God, I do this dumb joke. You know, I'm, like, self-conscious about it now. But 
what happened is these kids from the other, who went to the other middle school, the other part of town, they thought it was really funny. And like, uh, you know, a couple of my friends, you know, like my friend Mike and his group of friends thought was like the funniest thing. And that's how I became friends with those guys. And they're still like my closest, you know, they're my closest friends from growing up, those guys. Like I talk to them like every other week, you know? Mm-hmm. So they saw it. And one of that group of people who really, really loved it is my friend Kirsten. And Kier- that's like legitimately how me and Kirsten became hit it off was because of this show. And, you know, like me and her, you know, she's one of my closest friends of all time. So Kirsten went away to college in Washington, D.C., an American. And she had told all of her friends, you know, like when you're meeting people, you know, like, and she's like, I have a friend who was on Carmen Sandiego and he got caught cheating. Because all my friends knew about the part where I got caught cheating. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's favorite part, of course. <laughs> so, and they're like, yeah, he did the humpy dance. Like, she's, like, he was really like, so everyone in her group of friends, like, heard about it, heard about me. So fast forward a few years, you know, like I started, you know, like I'm, I'm out of college, like, like two or three years. And me and Kirsten started hanging out, you know, and she met a bunch of my friends and she, you know, from school, you know, kind of thing. And we were at a party in Philadelphia and a bunch of her friends from college came. And one of them was her roommate, Alana. And Alana, the first thing she asked me was, were you the kid who was on Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> and Alana is my wife. Wow. Yeah. First That's thing my amazing. wife ever asked me is if I was on this dumb show. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is the that story is really truly is the defining story of my life. Like eighth grade, that is what that is me in a nutshell, that show. Wow, that's no you slight know? exaggeration. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about the microphone. <laughs> a lot of want to hear about the microphone if I talked about the microphone. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. That's uh, that's quite the happy ending. I, I was I was worried that this might be you know an embarrassing thing, or when when I was going to um, approach you about wanting to come on and talk about it, I wasn't sure if it was something that you were that comfortable speaking about. Because like I would imagine it's embarrassing to have this lasting record of you uh, as a child. No, you know, it's it's awesome, and there's a Reddit thread about it. Like every other week, there's going to be something on Reddit about where everyone like makes fun of me and everything, like <laughs> says the worst possible things about me on there. So. Like, it's all fun. Like, it's just, like, the funniest thing to me at this point. Like, it's really, really entertaining to me and everything. And I'm glad people like it a lot. One thing that upsets me with it, though, is this. Here's an example of this, right? And, like, I'm just, like, this is something I hate in media mm-hmm. and, like, just Internet commenting in general. So, you know, you know, remember Grantland? Yep. So, yeah, like, I was in Grantland one day, and they had, for some reason, uh, like, uh, an American Idol recap, and... I've watched all of five seconds of that show ever in my life. Like, I caught it once when my parents were watching it, and I left the room. <laughs> Eric and I, that, that thing is not for me. Not, I, I could not tell you anything. I know who Kelly Clarkson is. I know who Sanjaya is. Right? <laughs> I don't know anything else about that show. Right. Not for me. For some reason, I was drawn to read this American Idol recap for some reason. And I don't know why. And I'm reading it. And they're just it's just like this snarky... Like, ooh, you know, like, just a snarky hipster, you know, like, aloof making fun, but we're not making fun, we're paying homage, but, you know, you know just like that garbage. Right, right. And there was, like, a kid, like, I guess there was, like, a kid on the show, like, uh, American, I was, like, some 13-year-old kid, and, like, there was a comment, like, well, like, this kid's annoying, but not as annoying as this kid. And they linked, they had, like, the video in, of my show appearance on the show embedded. <laughs> oh, my God. Grantland article. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, 
on. That is so not fair. Like, it's so not cool. Because I'm just like, I'm 12. Like, you're making fun of a, a, a 12-year-old, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and it really upset me because as much as fun as I had with this, I really did have, like, it's really a blast. It's like, I met my way through it. So it's a really great story. And I think, it, it, I honestly think it's a really, really good, like, story about, like, just being yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, not to, like, not to, like, be, like, a memoirist or anything with that, but that show is me to a T, and it led to, like, me actually making friends and me developing my personality through that show. I met my friggin' wife through that show. And then I get to see some, like, idiot hipster writer, he, make, make, like, gets to make fun of me, you know? And it's like, I'm like a writer, too. You know, he doesn't know me. He doesn't look up my name or anything like that. Right, right. But, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be part of anything connected with American Idol bullying. I don't want to be a part of you doing this and, you know, like, because of ESPN's prestige product to help them sell Subway, like sandwiches from Subway. <laughs> you know, like, I, want, I don't want, like, I don't need that. I don't, I didn't ask for that. I don't want that. That's just bullying. That's just, like, you're bullying a child you saw on YouTube. Right, right. That is garbage and it's like and it's also with that it's like yeah i'm a writer okay and you know like i'm in media i'm a journalist and i busted my freaking balls to get where i'm at which isn't much and you know like i grinded it out at like garbage newspapers you know like right like i uh literally i wrote an article about some guy grew a big cucumber in his backyard <laughs> and you know like for eighteen thousand dollars a year at these crappy newspapers i worked at and you know like and here's this guy who's got like the most plum writing job you could possibly ask for, you know, like the most prestigious thing, like in internet writing history. Mm. And this is what he's doing with his space is that is making fun of a kid on a game show to make, to make fun of American idol. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and like that's what not just him, but like that whole company is doing with their like their editorial. Like it's like that's their decision making. It's like no, you have like you can literally do like literally anything better than make fun of me on that. You know, like that is such garbage. <laughs> it's so wrong. It's so horrible. I hate that part of it. That part I hate. Yeah. Stuff people idiots say on YouTube. It's funny to me. Right, because then like I'll go and like I t- I think I told you before I've been known to troll YouTube commenters like threatening to sue them for slander and libel and uh, support them and things like that because I'll say like I'm because then they'll say like First Amendment says I can say anything and then I'll be like well I defected I live in Equatorial Guinea now there's no First Amendment here you're gonna come here and go before my king I mean you're gonna be in jail so, things like that right. So, and, and then, like, Reddit, it's, like, another thing. Like, you read Reddit, and, like, all these garbage people just saying the worst crap about me. And, and, like, and it's, like, funny. You know, like, it's funny. I have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. But only up to a certain point, right? Because it's, like, yeah, like, I think, like, 85% of the people, 90% of the people who see it think it's, like, this funny, goofy thing a nerdy kid did, right? Ha, ha, ha. And that part's awesome. And then if you actually know, like, the whole story about everything that happened with it, and, like, me cheating and why I did this joke and then the whole, like, I met my wife part, then you're like, wow, like, that's, like, a really, really pretty awesome story yeah. about, you know, how a disastrous, something could have been disastrous turned out for the best. So, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Greg, I, I I think you pretty much won. You lost the game, but you, you, you won the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a blast. It's one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome. It's an awesome story, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear the whole story. Yeah, I've seen that that video before. I, I got to find the whole episode now. But uh, yeah, for those that want to see it, it is on YouTube, and uh, it's it's awesome to see, especially now knowing uh, the all of the stuff behind the scenes as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, was, it was a good time. I'm glad I'm glad to do it. I'm always happy to talk about it. That's great. I, I thank you so much for doing that. Oh, uh, no worries, man. No worries. This was awesome. All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, where in the world you are, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Greg, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, no. I have nothing I want to plug. <laughs> I literally don't. I literally don't. I, I've uh, forsaken any creative endeavors for the time being while I am pursuing my NBA. Uh, but if you're so inclined you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that, which is at Holding Court Pod. Very good. I'm on Twitter as well. There, my name is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Vine. I do animations. And there, my name is also MC and Friends. You can check me out there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. We try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are available to stream and or download on Stitcher. And we can now be found on TuneIn Radio and coming soon to Google Play. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and share your experience. I really appreciate it. This was, this was a blast. Uh, thank you so much, and I look forward to hearing it. I hope I don't sound too much like a crazy person. But <laughs> nah. um, thanks a lot, and uh, this is a lot of fun. Well, we have been Greg and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, man, you've been great today. You've been doing a lot of hard work for us today. There's one more thing I want you to do. You know what it is? Do it, Rockapella.